The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude. Welcome to Tech News Briefing. It's Tuesday, February 27th. I'm Alex Osola for The Wall Street Journal. Coming up on today's show, Tesla's newest model, the much-hyped Cybertruck, finally arrived late last year. But what is it actually like to drive? WSJ Auto columnist Dan Neal tells us how the truck handled on and off the road. And then EV sales momentum has slowed. That's causing the price of some metals to fall dramatically. We'll find out why lower metal prices could actually make EVs cheaper in the future. From WSJ reporter Rhiannon Hoyle. But first, before WSJ Auto columnist Dan Neal got behind the wheel of Tesla's Cybertruck for the first time, he knew the car was polarizing. But once he got into one, a $100,000 Cybertruck all-wheel drive foundation series to be exact, he found quite a few things that surprised him. Dan took a test drive that he described as a thrashing. Now he joins me to help answer one big question that remains. Is the Cybertruck truly something different? Dan, what were your first impressions of the Cybertruck? Well, I'm uh, very interested in the, the way it's made. The Cybertruck is kind of a halo vehicle. It's really big and fancy and expensive, and its shape is extreme. However, if you think about it as at the vanguard of a whole new class of vehicles, you start to see that nothing about the way the Cybertruck is made is unscalable. They can scale it small like a mid-sized Cybertruck without perhaps the so extreme a roofline with the same body panels would be a really uh, compelling product. You had the truck for 48 hours. What did you do with it? Well, the first thing I did was uh, show it off to a bunch of people in Los Angeles who were are very keen to see it. Then I drove it from San Francisco to the factory in Fremont, stopping once at Paso Robles to recharge. The range is nominally with these tires on that vehicle is 318. And then we stopped at Paso Robles and the thing has 800 volt charging and except 250 kilowatts. So we popped it in. I got 248 kilowatts charging immediately. 15 minutes later, we were on our way again. What was it like to drive the truck on the interstate? It's a magic carpet. First things first, the structure of the thing is unbelievable. It's like a submarine. It is so bloody stiff. It's 43,000 Newton meters per degree of deflection in torsional rigidity. That means if you hang it off the back bumper, it takes 43,000 pounds to twist it one degree off axis. It's aerospace tolerances. And this is pretty great for a vehicle that weighs 6,600 pounds. On the road, it's wonderful. It's quiet, smooth, easy to drive. You also took it off-roading. What was that experience like? I went to this 4 by 4 obstacle course and park south of Hollister, California. What I didn't appreciate before the fact, and this is interesting to me because I'd only seen it in pictures. And when I saw the Cybertruck in person, it was bigger than I thought, and it had a longer wheelbase than I thought, which meant that it was more likely to bang the bottom on obstacles. And I looked at that and I thought, well, it can lift itself up 17 inches in the air. And on these very, very tough trails, it would still bang bottom. And fortunately, the bottom has <laughs> made it the most incredible steel I've ever seen in my 30 years of doing this. So uh, it was uh, fine. The steel was fine. Zooming out a little bit, is the Cybertruck truly something new and innovative? 
It is truly new and innovative. Yes, it is a clean break with every single vehicle. Well, in the history of vehicles, there's nothing ever been like it before. And uh, part of the reason is that it's been enabled by all these very new technologies. Who is the Cybertruck for? This will sell to people. Well, let's say, for one thing, people who are younger and more fun than I am. And wealthier, obviously. Uh, it's a high-end luxury sport product. It's got a high-tech sheen. It's also got kind of a toys for boys feel to it. The thing that I uh, want to point out, and I keep pointing out, is that, yes, it may seem impractical, but when you start to put it to work and you start to compare it to your typical commercial pickup truck, this thing's tougher and harder, and it will last, well, forever. That was our auto columnist, Dan Neal. Coming up how a South Carolina mining project is tied to the unsold EVs sitting on dealership lots. That's after the break. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence, Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. Metals like lithium and nickel are important components of lithium-ion batteries, those are used in lots of products, but demand grew dramatically for large batteries that power electric vehicles. Now, that boom is turning to bust. As momentum has slowed for EV sales, it sent the price of these metals tumbling. WSJ reporter Rhiannon Hoyle joins me now with more. Rhiannon, the price of lithium is down as much as 90% since the start of last year. The price of nickel has been cut in half. What is going on? That's right. So in recent years, on expectations that the energy transition was accelerating and that we would have this boom in sales of electric vehicles, producers of lithium and nickel have been ramping up supply. And you're right, the price falls over the past year have been just eye-wateringly dramatic. And a big part of that is we've had a rush of supplies coming on at a time when demand from the EV sector really has shot under expectations. So sales are still growing in those key markets like the US and China, but certainly they haven't been meeting expectations. And so you've had this rush of supplies with no home to go to. The bust in lithium prices has been the most dramatic, as you pointed out. I mean, some prices are down by as much as 90% since the start of last year. But I should point out that the two years prior, prices of lithium had rallied to record highs. That being said, what's unusual here is that in these markets, there had been an expectation of a sustained boom on the back of electric cars. And now all of that is looking very, very uncertain. And some analysts think that not enough supply has been cut from the market yet. So they say prices could potentially go even lower from here. How has this been affecting some of the big metal mining projects around the world? Particularly in the nickel segment, which is the more established industry, it's resulted in a lot of mine closures, a lot of uh, big write-downs by mining companies on the value of their assets, and a lot of strategic reviews where companies are considering possible closure and have quickly raced to lay off staff or enact other cost-cutting while they try to work out whether their mine remains viable. Lithium is a bit of a newer industry. 
It's much smaller and so we're at a point where it's more the big pipeline of projects that was coming on that was going to supply the EV market. That's where all of the cutting has been. So we've seen some of the world's biggest lithium producers come out and say that it's just not viable to develop a new project um, at this current time. So a lot of this has been centred in the West, so in the US and Australia in particular. We've seen projects like Albemarle was planning to build a big $1.3 billion processing plant in South Carolina that was only announced to the market in March last year with much fanfare around it and less than 12 months later have decided that actually it's just not profitable and so they're going to sit on that one and wait to see if the market happens to recover. Some of these companies are clearly suffering from this price drop. Is anyone benefiting? EV makers will be big beneficiaries of this, and it remains to be seen exactly what implications this will have for EV sales, for EV buyers, but certainly lower prices are undoubtedly a positive for automakers. The battery is one of the most expensive components in an electric vehicle and can account for a significant proportion of a vehicle's overall cost. So, for example, a spokesperson for Subaru told us that they considered it very desirable to be able to buy lithium at a low price. But they also pointed out it's important to be able to buy the metal from a stable source as well, which is where some policymakers have concerns about the implications of, of this downturn, that if you have mines closing and projects put on the shelf, what that means for supplies in the future if EV demand is reignited. So looking towards the future, what do these price drops mean for stakeholders? You've got the big Western mining companies that are typically publicly listed and therefore they've got shareholders and shareholders that want to profit. And it, it definitely makes it less enticing for those big companies to be invested in metals like nickel and lithium, given what has happened recently. The fallout there, and this is for both companies but also um, governments, is that in recent years, Policymakers and the industry have been trying to shift supply chains after the pandemic, which led to a lot of supply chain disruption and increasing tension between the West and China, which is a dominant force in commodities markets. Governments had been really keen to bring minerals production closer to home or places that they considered to be low risk. And so now that they're worried that this is going to undo recent efforts to diversify supply chains away from China, who is the biggest refiner of lithium globally and has spearheaded the effort to develop new nickel operations in Indonesia that have been flooding the market with battery-grade nickel much more cheaply than anyone else can produce. So it is creating a lot of debate at a policy level at the moment in terms of whether governments need to intervene to reshape these markets. That was our reporter, Rhiannon Hoyle. And that's it for Tech News Briefing. Today's show was produced by Julie Chang with supervising producer Catherine Millsop. I'm Alex Osola for The Wall Street Journal. We'll be back this afternoon with TNB Tech Minute. Thanks for listening. The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com Claude.